am I? Good morning. I'm Judith Lay, welcoming you to Praise, the program that connects faith and daily life. On today's programme, I catch up with Reverend Alex Brown to chat about open-air nativities, Bethlehem peace lights and Christmas plans. I'll also be finding out why a nine-year-old schoolgirl recently spent a couple of weeks in Zimbabwe. But first, some music. This is the point during Advent when we reflect on how Mary, a young girl from a poor village, might have felt when the angel Gabriel told her she was to be the mother of the Son of God. She instantly said yes, but did she ever think what the consequences of that yes might be? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save us sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? This child that you've delivered will soon deliver you. Mary, did you know that your baby Give sight to a blind man Mary, do you know That your baby boy Would calm a storm with his hand Did you know That your baby boy Has walked where angels trod And when you kiss your little baby You've kissed the face of God He's the Prince of Peace He's the Great I 
Mary Did You Know. And if the weather had been different last Thursday evening and you were one of over 2,000 people who claimed their tickets for the open-air nativity here in the heart of Douglas, you'd have been singing that along with our gospel choir and musicians. It was Reverend Alex Brown who drew together a group of people with the various skills and experiences needed to stage a live outdoor nativity, and he did this at the request of Douglas Town Centre manager Oliver Cheshire, who thought it would enrich the late-night shopping experience in Douglas last Thursday. And judging by the uptake of tickets, he was right. But, as you know, the weather had other ideas, and heavy rain meant Christmas Live had to be cancelled. But was coordinator Reverend Alex despondent that so much hard work had come to nothing? Well, no, actually, he wasn't. Yeah, it was a painful decision to make, I have to say. We, we, we tried twice to not cancel it. We rang Ronald's Way three days before, and then we rang again two days before. The prognosis was that it was getting worse, not better. So we had to make the call. But, you know, 2,000 people, and more than 2,000 tickets had gone, and other people were saying, oh, I haven't got a ticket, I think I'll go. So there's definitely a public want to have it next year. And Oliver Cheshire from Town Centre has said to me straight away, oh, we're definitely doing it next year, so that's good. Last year, Oliver Cheshire put on the Christmas stage show, which happened again this year, and we put the church's Christmas choir onto there. So any acts could go on. And the way that bonded different churchmanships together, different people from different traditions, all coming together just to sing Christmas carols was great. So uh, I knew it would happen again, and it did. It happened really, really well. And we, I mean, we had different community groups coming together as well. And again, I've contacted those community groups and said, would you consider doing it next year? And they all said yes as well. So there's, there's such a sense of unity and of positivity and of energy for next year. So that's really good. It's a huge part of our culture here to celebrate Christmas and to think about nativity stories and you know to, to do that whole thing. It's, it would be a huge loss to our culture if we lost that story. I mean, massive loss. Loads of, of stuff that goes on. Just the way that we speak to each other, the terms of reference that we use, all comes from the Christian narrative. So we need to keep hold of those. And, and I think everyone recognises that. And here's to next year. Here's to next year. I was talking to Reverend Alex in St Ninian's Church here in Douglas on Friday night at the end of a very well-attended service for the dedication and distribution of the Bethlehem Peace Light. This is organised by the Scout Association Isle of Man and Girl Guiding Isle of Man and without a network of scouts and guides around the world, sharing the peace light simply wouldn't be possible. Reverend Alex is loving being chaplain to the island scouts and he led the service on Friday night. The Peace Light from Bethlehem campaign started in Austria over 30 years ago. And still, each year, a child from Austria travels to Bethlehem and fetches the light by lighting a candle from the one that burns in the grotto in the Church of the Nativity in Bethlehem, marking the place where Jesus was born. It is a brilliant concept, isn't it? That we light, we light a flame from there, it goes to Austria, people from all over Europe and further afield now as well. They go to Austria and they pick it up. They take it with them in a bomb-proof case and they take it back to their country and then guys from the Isle of Man go to the UK, they get it and bring it here and it's the same flame. It's just, it is such a, so simple but so profound. And, and then here, as part of the service, when everybody lights their candle from that candle, knowing that it's come from that same place, it's a really moving part of the service. A message that all of us can shine brightly, all of us can make a difference and that when we shine, 
we actually light the world for other people as well and we give them permission to shine and and to have a community of people like the scouts where they promise they're going to do their best they promise they're going to serve god they promise they're going to serve humanity uh, and that is a powerful powerful thing to have a whole movement of people including the adults who lead them who actually our aim is to enhance society it's great i'm really really proud to be part of the scouting and the guiding movement in your capacity as pioneer minister it's very much in line with what you do with taking the church out to where people are and enrich and empower and, and support in what they're doing yeah that's right and the scouts do so much work i mean you see them all over the place don't you even at tin world day they're doing the parking and stuff like that it's, they are all over the place making this society a better place Let's fast forward to Christmas Day. What will you be doing? Will you be doing the traditional services in St George's or have you got something planned? This is the last year of my curacy at St George's. Uh, so this is year three of my curacy. Um, so I'm doing normal churchy things this well it won't be particularly normal because i'll be involved but we're doing a church normal christmas morning so i'm doing that under speaker at that um but next year i have no idea what we're going to do um, because next year i'm let loose so we have a pioneer church community that meets together uh, and we've been forming that it's been slowly gently growing uh, with people who are not attached to any church coming along so that's been really exciting and i look forward to having the freedom next year to be able to do that but I also I'm unusual I love the traditional stuff as well so being able to do that at St George's actually is, is a huge part of my heartbeat for the world as well so I love that and those peace lights all lit from the original Bethlehem flame will burn brightly over this Christmas time in houses churches chapels hospitals prison nursing homes and public buildings bringing the light the hope and the peace of the Christ child, which is God's gift to every single person at this time. Christian folk throughout the world 
Georgia Bradshaw is nine years old, lives with her parents and younger sister in Mackold and goes to the Dune School. She loves gymnastics, is a chorister in the Cathedral Choir in Peel and enjoys being an altar server for her dad, Reverend Ben Bradshaw, who has recently been ordained priest in the Anglican Church and in addition to being Bishop Peter's chaplain, can often be found looking after the churches in the Ramsey and Mackled area. Father Ben also has a great affection for Zimbabwe and has visited a number of times to support Tariro, a charity that brings hope and help to children and young people orphaned in Zimbabwe. But on his most recent visit, nine-year-old Georgia went too. She joins us now, first to explain why she wanted to go. Because we wanted to see what sort of habitat children lived in and how differently their lives are and also to have that experience to be somewhere different, in a different environment. When you told your friends and your teachers at the Dune School that you were going, what did they say? They were very excited and they were happy to help us with all the donations and they were very, very supportive with me because I was a little bit nervous. So was it donations of money or did they give you things from school to take with you? They donated like pens, pencils, toothbrush, toothpaste and everything to help the poor children. Because that's an important thing to remember that the children in Zimbabwe don't have the sort of things that you and your classmates have do they no they don't have much and you knew about this because your dad who's father ben bradshaw he spent a lot of time there hasn't he over the years yeah it was about 10 years ago since he first went there but when we went somewhere in the african bush my dad had never been there because he's not been to the bush before but everything else my dad told me what sort of thing it'd be like especially when it was hot well, that would be nice that you and your dad could discover something new together, but also good that he could prepare you for what you were going to see. So you set off from here with a bag full of goodies from the Dune School. You got to Zimbabwe. Now, where did you stay? We stayed at the friend of our friend, who is Father Nicholas, whose friend is Robin Glynis, Cully, and we stayed at their house. And they were very, very supportive and helped us and they showed us around. So what was one of the first things that you did? Was Did you go into school straight away? So we first arrived and then Mana Pauls we went to, which was in the middle of the African bush. We didn't get to see actually lions. We only saw lion footprints. And when we were staying in our lodge, there was a mummy elephant and a baby elephant walked in our garden and we had to run inside because they were only a couple of metres away from us. Did you see remains and bones or anything like that? We saw a lot of bones and I never knew I was so interested with it because there wasn't any, that they were in the middle of a drought, they actually had to put hay out for all the animals. So all the animals gathered and what was really, really nice and cute was when a herd of elephants were just standing around, five babies and like ten adults. We stayed in two different lodges, and one was called Hippo, and one was called Nyati, which is a Shona word for buffalo, and in the Nyati one there was loads of buffalo skulls, which was really, really interesting to see, and in the Hippo one there was the bottom jaw of a hippo. The hippo jaw was around 10 inches around because it was only a baby hippo. Whenever you go in the Isle of Man to like a beach, you wouldn't really find bones, but there 
wherever you go, you just see loads of piles of bones. Some are absolutely huge, like elephant knees. Some look new and some look very, very old. Is poaching a problem out in the bush? Is it something that they worry about there? Oh, it's very, very annoying because the Chinese keep on wanting to catch all the elephants and people pay to poach there, which is not very nice. I'm sure it's a difficult thing for them to stop, isn't it? So, you had some time in the bush and then what did you do? We went to St Augustine's and we stayed with the sisters and it was very amazing there because I I actually got a lesson, an English lesson, and we were doing science and I managed to answer some of the questions. They were speaking in English for this lesson, but they did kind of have an accent which I didn't really understand sometimes. St Augustine's is a school and I was very surprised when I found out that there was actually around 1,500 children there. Now, there's the first difference between (laughs) St Augustine's and the Dune, isn't it? Yeah, because in the Dune there's only around 75. So, a huge school. What did they think of you? There was loads of high school kids and I was just staying in the sister's house and then I looked outside and there was a load of girls crowding me saying, what's your name? And they kept on asking loads of questions like, what's your favourite movie? And they had very good English. And they asked me to pronounce their names and they were really, really hard. And one word I learnt from them is Makadee, which means high in Shona. That's a very good word. As you said earlier on, it's a much harder area. There's, there's less money, there's less opportunity. What do the young people want to be? Do they all have dreams of, of getting good jobs and working um, hard? Some of them looked really rich and there were some poor children who came to our door and... One of them was actually carrying a baby and I think their dream is to try and get a better home and better places to stay. So the sisters there who, who run St Augustine's School, and they're not just teaching them, they're looking, trying to help the young people to improve their life according to what they need. Would you say that's yeah, right? I'd say that's around right. We did also do a service for them, which was quite nice as well. Did you? Tell me about that. We went into the chapel that they have. It's a very small chapel, but it's very, very nice. And it was a Catholic one, but inside, it just makes you feel like you're at home. And they were very, very friendly there. And I did serving for my dads. Isn't it a lovely thing, Georgia, about our Christian faith, that wherever we are, it's a thing that draws us all together. We could be at the other end of the world, or Zimbabwe, or the Dune, or Australia, or whatever. But it's the same. It's the same God. And that's what draws us all together, isn't it? Yes. And did you feel that when you were there? Yeah, definitely. Well, we've met Father Nicholas. He's been a guest on this programme a couple of times. and We always like talking to him. <laughs> he is a man who is always looking out for other people, isn't he? Yeah, he looks out for us because we go and stay for him and he tells us all about God. That's a good way to learn, isn't it, with somebody who's a good friend too. So were they very pleased with the things that you took from the dune? They were very, very pleased. And the teacher was very thankful and now they're going to send a thank you letter to um, the school. If I were to ask you what were the best, best, best bits for you, Georgia, would there be something that would stand out? Probably seeing like the environment which everyone lives in and it was really, really nice experience and also seeing all the animals in the wild. It's an absolutely beautiful country. How hot it is. Another highlight was going to someone who's on their way to be a saint called John Bradburn. And he looked after the lepers. When 
there was the war, he refused to fight. He stayed with the lepers and we got to see where he actually lived. And he used to live on a mountain called Chagona and he used to walk up it twice a day and we actually got the chance to walk up it. That must have been very special indeed. Those kind of people really inspire us, don't they? Yeah, they inspire us a lot. And they make our faith that bit stronger, don't they? Yeah. Did you find in the school that whilst it has a chapel, it's run by nuns, do all the children have a faith or was it just left for the children to decide for themselves? It was kind of left for the children to decide for themselves. A lot of the high school kids do want to do the evening song. Now, Georgia, it's been absolute joy to talk to you. I can tell by the big, big grin on your face that when I ask you if you would like to go again, I know your answer is going to be yes, isn't it? Yeah. I guess that now you're back home, you'll be keeping all the people that you've met in your prayers. Would that be right? Yes, definitely. Georgia, thank you very much indeed for being our guest on the programme today. Mashika, which means thank you in Shona. That was nine-year-old Georgia Bradshaw talking about her recent visit to Zimbabwe with her dad, Father Ben Bradshaw. A powerful essay from a 1926 sermon by Dr James Allen Francis briefly yet powerfully depicts the life, the mission and the message of Jesus Christ. Entitled One Solitary Life, it's become very well known and very popular in Christmas and in Easter cards. And in 2007, it even became a Christmas album track for The Lettermen, who astonishingly have been touring and making records for some 50 years. There was a child born to Jewish parents in an obscure little village. The son of peasants, he grew up in another obscure village. He worked in a carpentry shop until he was 30, and for three years, he was an itinerant preacher. He never wrote a book. He never held office. He never owned a home. And he never had a family. He never went to college. And he never set foot inside of a big city. Never traveled 200 miles from the place where he was born. He didn't do any of the things that usually accompany greatness. And yet, while still a young man, the tide of popular opinion turned against him. His friends ran away, and he was turned over to his enemies. He went through the mockery of a trial, and his executioners gambled for the only piece of property that he owned, his coat. And when he was dead, he was taken down and laid in a borrowed grave. Well, 19 wide centuries have come and gone, and today he remains the centerpiece for much of the human race. All the armies that ever marched and all the navies that were ever built, all the parliaments that ever sat and all the kings that ever reigned put together have not affected the life of man upon this earth as much as this one solitary life. Long lay the world 
in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth the thrill of hope a weary world rejoices for yonder of a king. The moment he's born, he's surrounded by riches. He lives in a palace, imposing and tall. But born in a stable, in some little village, and laid in a manger, that won't do at all. You know what we mean when we talk of a king. He lives all his life in an aura of greatness. He knows he is big and the others are small but live as the son of a Nazareth carpenter, simple and humble. That won't do at all. You know what we mean when we talk of a king. He dies and is buried in great pomp and splendour, adored by his subjects and honoured by all, but hung on a cross to be killed like a criminal, tried and convicted. That won't do at all. 
You know what we mean when we talk of a king. He has over each man the power to kill him, or bind him, or chain him, and make him his thrall. But giving his subjects unlimited freedom, and life everlasting, and loving them all, you're either a liar to tell us such things, or this one is different from all other kings. And that's all we've time for today. I'm back on Christmas morning at nine o'clock with a praise special, the story of the birth of Jesus told in some of the most beautiful Christmas music, carols, Bible readings and poetry. I do hope you'll join me. Thank you for listening to this week's Praise Podcast. There's a new Praise Podcast available every Sunday morning. You can subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify via the Manx Radio smartphone app or at manxradio.com. So, till we meet again, this is Judith saying thank you for your company and I wish you and those you love every blessing in the days ahead. Mm-hmm.